chapter twenty nine of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty nine clouds and sunshine the important monday at length arrived and charlie hastened to the office of mr blatchford which he reached before the hour for commencing labour he found some dozen or more journeymen assembled in the workroom and noticed that upon his entrance there was an interchange of significant glances and once or twice he overheard the whisper of nigger mr blatchford was engaged in discussing some business matter with a gentleman and did not observe the agitation that charlie's entrance had occasioned the conversation having terminated the gentleman took up the morning paper and mr blatchford noticing charlie said how you have come and in good time too wheeler he continued turning to one of the workmen i want you to take this boy under your especial charge give him a seat at your window and overlook his work at this there was a general uprising of the workmen who commenced throwing off their caps and aprons what is all this for asked mr blatchford in astonishment why this commotion we won't work with niggers cried one no nigger apprentices cried another and no niggers no niggers was echoed from all parts of the room silence cried mr blatchford stamping violently silence every one of you as soon as partial order was restored he turned to wheeler and demanded what is the occasion of all this tumult what does it mean why sir it means just this the men and boys discovered that you intended to take a nigger apprentice and have made up their minds if you do they will quit in a body it cannot be possible exclaimed the employer that any man or boy in my establishment has room in his heart for such narrow contemptible prejudices can it be that you have entered into a conspiracy to deprive an inoffensive child of an opportunity of earning his bread in a respectable manner come let me persuade you the boy is well behaved and educated damn his behaviour and education responded a burly fellow let him be a barber or a shoeblack that is all niggers are good for if he comes we go that's so ain't it boys there was a general response of approval to this appeal and mr blatchford seeing the utter uselessness of further parleying left the room followed by charlie and the gentleman with whom he had been conversing mr blatchford was placed in a most disagreeable position by this revolt on the part of his workmen he had just received large orders from some new banks which were commencing operations and a general disruption of his establishment at this moment would have ruined him to accede to his workmen's demands he must do violence to his own conscience but he dared not sacrifice his business and bring ruin on himself and family even though he was right what would you do girl he asked of the gentleman who had followed them out there's no question as to what you must do you mustn't ruin yourself for the sake of your principles 
you will have to abandon the lad the other alternative is not to be thought of for a moment well charles you see how it is said mr blatchford reluctantly charlie had been standing intently regarding the conversation that concerned him so deeply his face was pale and his lips quivering with agitation i'd like to keep you my boy but you see how i'm situated i must either give up you or my business the latter i cannot afford to do with a great effort charlie repressed his tears and bidding them good morning in a choking voice hastened from the room it's an infernal shame said mr blatchford indignantly and i shall think meanly of myself for ever for submitting to it but i can't help myself and must make the best of it charlie walked downstairs with lingering steps and took the direction of home all because i'm coloured said he bitterly to himself all because i'm coloured what will mother and esther say how it will distress them they've so built upon it i wish said he sadly that i was dead no longer able to repress the tears that were welling up he walked towards the window of a print store where he pretended to be deeply interested in some pictures whilst he stealthily wiped his eyes every time he turned to leave the window there came a fresh flood of tears and at last he was obliged to give way entirely and sobbed as if his heart would break he was thus standing when he felt a hand laid familiarly on his shoulder and on turning round he beheld the gentleman he had left in mr blatchford's office come my little man said he don't take it so much to heart cheer up you may find some other person willing to employ you come walk on with me where do you live charlie dried his eyes and gave him his address as they walked on up the street together mr burrell talked encouragingly and quite succeeded in soothing him ere they separated i shall keep a lookout for you said he kindly and if i hear of anything likely to suit you i shall let you know charlie thanked him and sauntered slowly home when he arrived and they saw his agitated looks and his eyes swollen from the effect of recent tears there was a general inquiry of what has happened why are you home so early are you sick charlie hereupon related all that had transpired at the office his great disappointment and the occasion of it to the intense indignation and grief of his mother and sisters i wish there were no white folks said caddy wrathfully they are all i believe a complete set of villains and everything else that is bad don't be so sweeping in your remarks pray don't caddy interposed esther you've just heard what charlie said of mr blatchford his heart is kindly disposed at any rate you see he is trammelled by others oh well i don't like any of them i hate them all she continued bitterly driving her needle at the same time into the cloth she was sewing as if it was a white person she had in her lap and she was sticking pins in him don't cry charlie she added the old white wretches they shouldn't get a tear out of me for fifty trades but charlie could not be comforted he buried his head in his mother's lap and wept over his disappointment until he made himself sick 
that day after mr burrell had finished his dinner he remarked to his wife i saw something this morning my dear that made a deep impression on me i haven't been able to get it out of my head for any length of time since it touched me deeply i assure you why what could it have been pray tell me what it was thereupon he gave his wife a graphic account of the events that had transpired at blatchford's in the morning and in conclusion said now you know my dear that no one would call me an abolitionist and i suppose i have some little prejudice as well as others against colored people but i had no idea that sensible men would have carried it to that extent to set themselves up as they did in opposition to a little boy anxious to earn his bread by learning a useful trade mrs burrell was a young woman of about twenty-two with a round good-natured face and plump comfortable-looking figure she had a heart overflowing with kindness and was naturally much affected by what he related i declare it's perfectly outrageous exclaimed she indignantly and i wonder at blatchford for submitting to it i wouldn't allow myself to be dictated to in that manner and he such an abolitionist too had i been him i should have stuck to my principles at any risk poor little fellow i so wonder at blatchford i really don't think he has acted manly not so fast my little woman if you please that is the way with almost all of you you let your hearts run away with your heads you are unjust to blatchford he could not help himself he was completely in their power it is almost impossible at present to procure workmen in our business and he is under contract to finish a large amount of work within a specified time and if he should fail to fulfil his agreement it would subject him to immense loss in fact it would entirely ruin him you are aware my dear that i am thoroughly acquainted with the state of his affairs he is greatly in debt from unfortunate speculations and a false step just now would overset him completely he could not have done otherwise than he has and do justice to himself and his family i felt that he could not and in fact advised him to act as he did now george burrell you didn't said she reproachfully yes i did my dear because i thought of his family i really believe though had i encouraged him he would have made the sacrifice and what became of the boy oh poor lad he seemed very much cut down by it i was quite touched by his grief when i came out i found him standing by his shop window crying bitterly i tried to pacify him and told him i would endeavour to obtain a situation for him somewhere and i shall has he parents asked mrs burrell yes and by the way don't you remember whilst the mob was raging last summer we read an account of a man running to the roof of a house to escape from the rioters you remember they chopped his hands off and threw him over oh yes dear i recollect don't don't mention it said she with a shudder of horror i remember it perfectly well this little fellow is his son continued mr burrell indeed and what has become of his father did he die no he partially recovered but is helpless and almost an idiot i never saw a child apparently so anxious to get work he talked more like a man with a family dependent upon him for support than a youth i tell you what i became quite interested in him he was very communicative and told me all their circumstances their house was destroyed by the mob and they are at present residing with a friend just then the cry of a child was heard in the adjoining room and mrs burrell rushed precipitately away and soon returned with a fat healthy-looking boy in her arms 
which after kissing she placed in her husband's lap he was their first-born and only child and as a matter of course a great pet and regarded by them as a most wonderful boy in consequence papa sat quite still and permitted him to pull the studs out of his shirt untie his cravat rumple his hair and take all those little liberties to which babies are notoriously addicted mrs burrell sat down on a stool at her husband's feet and gazed at him and the child in silence for some time what's the matter jane what has made you so grave i was trying to imagine burrell how i should feel if you and i and baby were coloured i was trying to place myself in such a situation now we know that our boy if he is honest and upright is blessed with great talent or genius may aspire to any station in society that he wishes to obtain how different it would be if he were coloured there would be nothing bright in the perspective for him we could hardly promise him a living at any respectable calling i think george we treat coloured people with great injustice don't you mr burrell hemmed and hawed at this direct query and answered well we don't act exactly right toward them i must confess mrs burrell rose and took the vacant knee of her husband and toying with the baby said now george burrell i want to ask a favour of you why can't you take this boy i take him why my dear i don't want an apprentice yes but you must make a want you said he was a bright boy and sketched well why i should think that he's just what you ought to have there is no one at your office that would oppose it cummings and dalton were with your father before you they would never object to anything reasonable that you proposed come dear do now make the trial won't you mr burrell was a tender-hearted yielding sort of an individual and what was more his wife was fully aware of it and like a young witch as she was she put on her sweetest looks and begged so imploringly that he was almost conquered but when she took up the baby and made him put his chubby arms round his father's neck and say peas pop pop he was completely vanquished and surrendered at discretion i'll see what can be done said he at last and will you do it afterwards she asked archly yes i will dear i assure you he rejoined then i know it will be done said she confidently and none of us will be the worse off for it i'm sure after leaving home mr burrell went immediately to the office of mr blatchford and after having procured charlie's portfolio he started in the direction of his own establishment he did not by any means carry on so extensive a business as mr blatchford and employed only two elderly men as journeymen after he had sat down to work one of them remarked tucker's been here and wants some rough cuts executed for a new book i told him i did not think you would engage to do them that you had given up that description of work i think we lose a great deal cummings by being obliged to give up those jobs rejoined mr burrell why don't you take an apprentice then he suggested it's just the kind of work for them to learn upon well i've been thinking of that replied he rising and producing the drawings from charlie's portfolio look here see it said he what do you think of these as the work of a lad of twelve or fourteen who has never had more than half a dozen lessons i should say they were remarkably well done responded cummings shouldn't you say so dalton the party addressed took the sketches and examined them thoroughly and gave an approving opinion of their merits well said mr burrell the boy that executed those is in want of a situation and i should like to take him but i thought i would consult you both about it first i met with him under very singular circumstances and i'll tell you all about it and forthwith he repeated to them the occurrences of the morning 
dwelling upon the most affecting parts and concluding by putting the question to them direct as to whether they had any objections to his taking him why no none in the world readily answered cummings laws me colour is nothing after all and black fingers can handle a graver as well as white ones i expect i thought it best to ask you to avoid any other after difficulty you have both been in the establishment so long that i felt that you ought to be consulted you needn't have taken that trouble said dalton you might have known that anything done by your father's son would be satisfactory to us i never had anything to do with colored people and haven't anything against them and as long as you are contented i am well we all have our little prejudices against various things and as i did not know how you both would feel i thought i wouldn't take any decided steps without consulting you but now i shall consider it settled and will let the lad know that i will take him in the evening he hastened home at an earlier hour than usual and delighted his wife by saying i have succeeded to her charm my dear there wasn't the very slightest objection i'm going to take the boy if he wishes to come oh i'm delighted cried she clapping her hands cry hurrah for papa said she to the baby cry hurrah for papa the sign of the house of earl gave vent to some scarcely intelligible sounds that resemble who ruggler pop pop which his mother averred was astonishingly plain and deserving of a kiss and snatching him up she gave him two or three hearty ones and then planted him in his father's lap again my dear said her husband i thought as you proposed my taking this youth you might like to have the pleasure of acquainting him with his good fortune after tea if you are disposed we will go down there the walk will do you good oh george burrell said she her face radiant with pleasure you are certainly trying to outdo yourself i've been languishing all day for a walk what a charming husband you are i really ought to do something for you ah i know what i'll indulge you you may smoke all the way there and back i'll even go so far as to light the cigars for you myself that is a boon rejoined her husband with a smile really virtue rewarded i declare tea over the baby kissed and put to bed mrs burrell tied on the most bewitching of bonnets and donning her new fur-trimmed cloak declared herself ready for the walk and off they started mr burrell puffed away luxuriously as they walked along stopping now and then at her command to look into such shop windows as contained articles adapted to the use of infants from india rubber rings and ivory rattles to baby coats and shoes at length they arrived at the door of mr walters and on looking up at the house he exclaimed this is two fifty seven but it can't be the place surely colored people don't live in as fine an establishment as this then running up the steps he examined the plate upon the door the name corresponds with the address given me said he i'll ring is there a lad living here by the name of charles ellis he asked of the servant who opened the door yes sir was the reply will you walk in when they were ushered into the drawing-room mr burrell said be kind enough to say that a gentleman wishes to see him the girl departed closing the door behind her leaving them staring about the room how elegantly it is furnished said she i hadn't an idea that there were any colored people living in such style some of them are very rich remarked her husband but you said this boy was poor so he is i understand they are staying with the owner of this house whilst they were thus conversing the door opened and esther entered i'm sorry said she that my brother has retired he has a very severe headache and was unable to remain up longer his mother is out i am his sister and shall be most happy to receive any communication for him 
i regret to hear of his indisposition replied mr burrell i hope it is not consequent upon his disappointment this morning i fear it is poor fellow he took it very much to heart it was a disappointment to us all we were congratulating ourselves on having secured him an eligible situation i assure you the disappointment is not all on one side he is a very promising boy and the loss of his prospective services annoying nothing but stern necessity caused the result but we entirely acquit you mr blatchford of all blame in the matter we are confident that what happened was not occasioned by any indisposition on your part to fulfil your agreement my dear interrupted mrs burrell she thinks you are mr blatchford and are you not asked esther with some surprise oh no i am an intimate friend of his and was present this morning when the affair happened oh indeed responded esther yes and he came home and related it all to me the whole affair interrupted mrs burrell i was dreadfully provoked i assure you i sympathized with him very much i became deeply interested in the whole affair i was looking at my little boy for i have a little boy said she with matronly dignity and i thought suppose it was my little boy being treated so how should i like it so bringing the matter home to myself in that way made me feel all the more strongly about it and i just told george burrell he must take him as he is an engraver and i and the baby gave him no rest until he consented to do so he will take him on the same terms offered by mr blatchford and then we came down to tell you and and said she quite out of breath that is all about it esther took the little woman's plump hand in both her own and for a moment seemed incapable of even thanking her at last she said in a husky voice you can't think what a relief this is to us my brother has taken his disappointment so much to heart i can tell you how much i thank you god will reward you for your sympathy and kindness you must excuse me she continued as her voice faltered we have latterly been so unaccustomed to receive such sympathy and kindness from persons of your complexion that this has quite overcome me oh no don't i'm sure it's no more than our duty and i'm as much pleased as you can possibly be it has given me heartfelt gratification i assure you esther repeated her thanks and followed them to the door where she shook hands with mrs burrell who gave her a pressing invitation to come and see her baby how easy it is george burrell said the happy little woman to make the hearts of others as light as our own mine feels like a feather she added as she skipped along clinging to his arm what a nice lady-like girl his sister is is her brother as handsome as she not quite he answered still he is very good-looking i'll bring him home with me to-morrow at dinner and then you can see him chatting merrily they soon arrived at home mrs burrell ran straightway upstairs to look at that blessed baby she found him sleeping soundly and looking as comfortable and happy as it is possible for a sleeping baby to look so she bestowed upon him a perfect avalanche of kisses and retired to her own peaceful pillow and now having thus satisfactorily arranged for our young friend charlie we will leave him for a few years engaged in his new pursuits End of chapter twenty nine